Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. Today we're back in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, and, and I want you to know that we've gone kind of international today. Well, if you don't know it, we stream our services live on the web, 9, 30, and 11. I got an email from a friend of mine this morning who's in Brazil, and he said, Stace, I'm going to be watching you from Brazil. If the internet will work this morning, I'm going to be watching you. So, brother, if you're out there, welcome to Fairview, North Carolina, from, from South America down there. And isn't that an exciting thought that we've kind of gone international in some respect today? Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to put something in your mind that's fresh for us. We're going we're gonna to physically go international in June. We're going to go back to Honduras. We've been given enough money already to build one house down there. We're going to try to raise enough money to build another while we're there. So if the Lord would be uh, prompting your heart to go with us this June, please uh, go sign up out there so we can get our airfare locked in and get our little team locked in. I think we can only take 10. So... Man, if you're interested in that, make sure and, uh, and let that happen. Today, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 through 13, we're going to read. And we're going to talk again about this subject of how's your love life. Right here in 2015, we've been looking at the thought that, man, uh, we need the agape love of God in us, through us. Every aspect of us needs to be saturated with His love. We've seen love's excellence. Paul began by telling us that there really is no better way. He says that love is the more excellent way. It's better by far than any other way that you'll choose. If you want to compare them to love, they're going to pale in comparison to living your life driven by the love of Jesus Christ. He says also love is essentiality. We see it's essentiality and, and he gives us a, an understanding that without it in verses 1 through 3, that whatever we do profits us. How much church? If we do it without love, what does it bring about? Absolutely nothing. If we sum it all up and we don't have love as one of the factors, the, the answer is going to be zero every time. He's saying love is absolutely essential. Don't do anything in your life or the life of the church uh, that's, not a, that's apart from the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do, you're wasting your time. He moved on to show us love's essence. And I believe we, we sold well that, man, if we look at the person of Jesus Christ, that we see what the essence of love really is. What love really means, how patient it is, how kind it is. It's not arrogant, it's not rude. And we went through each and one of those statements and we looked at what the very essence of love is and how we ought to apply those things in our life and how it is my prayer that those things will be seen in me and through me and that somehow the Holy Spirit will fill me so with the love of God that it will just flow out from me onto the people around me and yea, out into the furtherances of the world, our community, uh, even to Brazil this morning, uh, the love of Jesus Christ. Today I want to begin this thought, love's endurance. Paul turns his attention in verses 8 through 13 to love's endurance. And I want to focus on one three-word statement this morning, in reality, on one word of it. Verse 8a reads, charity never fails. That's a, that's a bridge statement. Love never fails. It means it has everything to do with what came before it, and it has everything to do with what I'll talk about in verses 8 through 13, and yet it can stand with meaning in and of itself. Love never fails. A true, true bridge statement. So as we read these verses, think about those three words, love never fails, and next week we'll unpack uh, the applications of this truth as he gives it to us, and today we're going to try to absorb the meaning of this truth. Let's read these verses together. It reads this way in the King James Charity, or love never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. There's that word. Whether there be tongues, 
they shall cease, another operative word. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Verse 9, for we know in part, and we do prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now, when I was a child, I spake as a child, and I understood as a child, and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I love verse 12. For now we see through a glass very darkly. But then, we'll see how, church? Face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. In the closing statement, what a strong statement. And now abide of faith, hope, and charity, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. When we begin to think about love today in way of introduction, I, I kind of want to remind you of a few things. Number one, when you think about love, you've got to think about an emotional connection. When you say the word love, you've got to think about something that's emotional. You know, love is not static or stoic. Love is emotional. Love is kind of a warm, fuzzy thought. When you say you love something, I mean, there's something that stirs inside you. And men, too often we try to disconnect ourselves from love and somehow make it not an emotional thing, but beloved, it is. Let's face it. Love has an emotional connection. When we think about things we say we love, at some point it ought to stir us inside just a little bit if we truly love it. I had an occasion to be in the Magic Kingdom with my family all oh, not too long ago, and we were walking down Main Street, USA, and I saw something happen there I'd never seen happen before in all my visits. And uh, at the end of Main Street, there's a circle there with a, with a great big flagpole and a great big American flag in it. And we happen to be coming down at just at 5 o'clock. And I realize now that at 5 o'clock, they take that flag down every day. And, man, they started out with their ceremony. They gathered around it. They said the Pledge of Allegiance. And, man, everybody. Now, get this. Here in Disney World, everybody's on their own agenda, doing their own thing. Won't ride Space Mountain as many times as you can. But, beloved, when they started saying the Pledge of Allegiance, everybody stopped in that circle, put their hand over their heart, and there we were saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the, to the flag in the Magic Kingdom. And everybody that was within eyeshot was stopped and paying attention and participating. Man, they began to take the flag down, and as they were folding it, they began to sing. The orchestra started playing, and, and as some people began to sing the Star Spangled Banner, and we sang along with them, and good night. It was a, a moving and an emotional thing. They finished folding it, and they began to sing America the Beautiful. I mean, they were just milking this thing. And they were killing me. I'm an emotional wreck standing in the, in the end of Main Street, USA. I'm crying my eyeballs out, and my girls finally have the courage to look around at me because they know I'm an emotional they said, Dad, come on, it's the Pledge of Allegiance. Please don't embarrass us right here in Disney World like that. But I'm here to tell you, if you talk about something you love, man, I love being a part of the United States of America. Listen, she may be battered, and she may not be going the way you think she ought to go, but, beloved, today you ought to be happy to be a citizen of the United States of America, and we have a responsibility as her citizens to love her and honor her and respect her for who she is, beloved. And you begin to talk about my country and the things that it means and the things that she's always stood for. Man, I love it. And it emotionally connects me somehow to things that maybe I didn't even have anything to do with. You think about your family this morning. You say you love your family. Man, when I think about my family, I get misty. 
I think about my daughters, I get a little misty. I think about my wife, gosh, I still love to look into her eyes and tell her how much I love her, and it, it makes me a little emotional, especially when she bats her eyes really pretty and says, I love you too, honey. That really makes it special. I challenge you, if your spouse is here with you, you ought to look at them right now and just say, hey, I love you, baby. A fresh and a new. You ought to say, hey, I, I just love you. You ought to let her bat her eyes a little bit right there. And, man, emotionally connect for just a minute. Love is an emotional connection, man. You think about your family. You think about your kids. You think about your friends, man. I don't take my friendships very lightly at all. And I count you all as my friends. And when I think about you, I'm emotionally connected to you. I love you. Heavens to Betsy, how can you say that and not have something inside you be, be stirred a little bit? And today we don't need to disconnect ourselves from the emotions. We need to learn to feel the love. And I think today about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I wonder if we've said His name so much and if we've handled Him so many times that, man, it doesn't mean much to us. But I'm here to tell you today, when I tell Him that I love Him and I get along with Him in His presence, it stirs something emotionally inside me. You see, I'm connected to something bigger than this old world will ever be and something greater than the United States of America ever had time to think about. I'm connected to a kingdom on the other side whose king not only cares for me, beloved, He loved me and He gave His life for me. And man, when we talk about our Lord and Savior in the house of the Lord, everybody wants it to be in order and everybody wants it to be just so. And pastor, let's don't get too emotional. Listen, I believe the Lord would be pleased today if he went to a house somewhere where they just squalled their eyes out because they loved him so much. I believe that with all my heart. You say, was the Lord emotional? Yes, he was. And when you see Jesus, how many times does it say, that he looked upon the crowd, and what does the word say? That he was moved with compassion. He was moved inside. Why? Because he loved them. And it touched him and moved him emotionally. Even at the tomb of Lazarus, doesn't the word tell us clearly that Jesus not only felt it inside, that he displayed his emotion outside. It tells us understanding all the things that we can't even understand that were going on there, even in this moment in time. It tells us that he could understand them, and it moved him so that he began to weep right there at the tomb of Lazarus. And beloved, don't ever forget it. I hear people say all the time, and I've even said it myself, well, there'll be no tears in heaven, but I have a hard time believing, honestly. I have a real hard time picturing myself walking into the presence of my Lord and Savior for the first time. And somehow my emotion for him not being displayed on some hands turned. I believe the word says, my God shall wipe all my tears from my eyes. So when I grab him by the feet and I honor him and worship him the first time face to face, I believe his gentle nail-scarred hand will reach down and, and kind of wipe those tears. From my eyes, beloved, we understand today that love, intrinsically we understand it. That love is an emotional connection. It ought to stir you a little bit somewhere to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know him and love him, it ought to stir you. Not only is it an emotional connection, we need to remember that it's an earnest commitment. Now, having, having told you truthfully that it's an emotional connection, we can't just go with that. We've got to understand, too, that love is an earnest commitment. It's a conscious decision. It's not simply driven by the emotion. It also involves the will. Dr. Gary Smalley, one time uh, in a marriage conference, made this statement. Matter of fact, he wrote a book entitled this, Love is a Decision. So there's a part of it that comes from your will. It's something you decide to do. 
It's not just driven by that moment. I wonder how many people in Las Vegas, Nevada today, uh, on the whim of the moment, maybe influenced by too much alcohol, will run to a wedding chapel somewhere and tell somebody, I do. In the spur of the moment, they won't even know they've done it. And they'll wake up in the morning and go, my heavens, what in the world have we done? And they do something on the spur of the moment. Well, I'm going to tell you, when you stood and said, I do, it was a whole lot more than just that emotional connection. It was an earnest commitment that you made one to another. And love has an element of it that we must understand is tied to our will. Man, I am glad today. How many of y'all are glad for this today that God decided to love you? How many of y'all are glad for that? I'm glad that God decided to love me. Yes, He loves me emotionally. He's connected to me and He's moved by it. But beloved, He didn't have to decide to send His only begotten Son. He did it out of His own will. He said, I am going to love you instead of hate you. And He could have chosen either one and been just right. But today I'm glad that He decided to love Stacy Harris. How many of y'all are tickled to death today that God in His emotional connection went with that earnest commitment and said, I'm going to make a commitment to you that in spite of you, I'm going to choose to love you. How many of y'all are thankful for that today? Praise be unto God. And we do well to remember that love is not only an emotional connection, it's an earnest commitment. And man, in our lives we need to decide today just to agape one another. Thirdly, I want you to see that love's an eternal concept. It's not, tr- not temporal at all. In verse 8a, that's what he tells us. He says that love never fails. Love never fails. That Greek word fails is deep and rich, and it's difficult, really, to pin a single English concept on it. So today, I want to think about this word with you for just a few minutes this morning, and next week we'll unpack all those applications that Paul puts on this one thought right here, that love never fails. Three thoughts here. Love never fails, first of all, means this. It means it will not be short. It means it will not be short. When you say that love never fails, what you're saying is it'll not come up short. That means when there's a task out there for it to accomplish, or when they ring the bell, it'll answer it. It means that love will never come up short of the resources that it needs to answer the task that's at hand for it. It'll always be able to meet the challenge. I wrote it this way. It'll never fail. It'll never be short of what's required. It'll always meet the needs. It'll always answer the bell. It'll always be able to rise to the occasion. It'll always be able to handle the task. I was in my little 93 Ford Ranger, went up to Black Mountain. I have a, a little daughter that's away at college that when she comes home on, on Thursday nights to see us, uh, we always make a little Taco Bell run. Doesn't matter how late it is because Taco Bell's open late. So we can always make a little Taco Bell run. And man, I headed over the mountain to Black Mountain to the Taco Bell and, and got our 12-pack uh, of hard shell tacos and man our our chips and cheese and and our churros i love those cinnamon churros man alive we're riding back out she wasn't with me i was all alone i'm riding back home with my taco bell run going on and here it is in the cab of the car and if you've been from black mountain to my house you know you have to go up number nine which is not a straight road it's a it's a road where there's enough switchbacks on it man sometimes it feels like you're just doing this going up on it i mean it's it's curly q chestnut hill or old fort road isn't any better man i'd made it all the way across number nine headed down chestnut hill road that one hill where you'd come down to the Garen Creek Fire Department and beloved there's a hairpin turn at the bottom of a hill just like this I started down that hill stepped on my brakes like I've done 10,000 or maybe a million times before and guess what happened 
They went right to the fore, beloved. You talk about a preacher in panic mode, beloved. I was in panic mode real clearly heading down that hill. I was mashing the brakes. I was stomping the brakes. I was gearing her down. I was emergency braking. I was doing everything I could do. And beloved, I had my gluteal muscles flexed to the utmost, trying to push that pedal through the floor if I could. And man, finally, thanks be unto God, she caught enough for me to get her in first gear and manipulate that turn. Tacos were everywhere. Cheese was everywhere. Hey, my beloved, I was slowing down, and praise be unto God. I rode her to the house in first gear and got her down to my dear brother's shop where he, he fixed it, and I went and picked it up. When I got in it and, and took off on 74A in that truck, you know what thought crossed my mind? I wonder if these things are fixed. I know he said they were, and I know he test drove it, but I wonder. And you know, for the first three or four days I drove it, every time I stepped on the brake pedal, you know what I thought? Gosh, I just wonder. I'd never thought about that before. Never. And now all of a sudden that's in my mind. Is it going to stop me? Are they going to do what they're supposed to do? Let me tell you something about the love of God in your life. You'll never have that feeling about it. It'll never put you in that position. Love will always do what it's called upon to do in your life. It'll always be welcome and able to meet the task in your life. Let me tell you, if you've got a wayward child, man, uh, let love answer the bell. Love will be successful. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, I can tell you that when I was 16, I lost my mind for a little while. I don't know where it went. I, I don't know where I went. I, I don't know, but it was gone, man. I wasn't thinking straight. I wasn't thinking right. They tell me that's a syndrome. I don't want to offend anybody. They tell me that comes with being 16 for a little while. You know what my mom and dad did? Everything they could. But the best thing they did was love me. And that's what made the difference. Did it work? It worked in my life. And in my own life, you know, with those difficult situations, I find that love works every time. Love will be able to answer the bell every time. You got a worry in your life? Count on love. Difficult relationship? Very uncomfortable conversation. You got to have it work? Let me tell you, love will never come up short in meeting those needs. You need to overcome that disappointment or maybe forget that wrong that was done in your life. Let me tell you how you're going to be successful is when you count on the agape love of God to help you do it. It'll always be able to meet that task in your life. When you're out sharing the gospel or trying to live the Christian life in a world that's just not receptive at all anymore to people living a Christian life. Let me tell you how you're going to be able to do it. It's not going to be by a strategy. It's not going to be because you just, man, one day figured it all out. It's going to be because of the agape love of an almighty God that is successful in your life. And the word means to us here, love will never be short. I thought this, God himself, facing the virtually impossible task in my mind of redeeming mankind unto himself, what did he send? The resources of heaven were limitless. He could have chosen anything. He could have had a lot of plans to redeem us unto himself. But what did he choose? He chose love. And he chose to send love in the person of His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because He knew that love would be more than equal to the task. Love never failed. Not 99% of the time doesn't fail. Love never fails is what He says. It'll never be short. The second thought that I want to give you in, in, in respect to this thought right here. Not only will it never be short. Secondly, love will never be stopped. That means chronologically, it'll never come to an end. That means it never has an expiration date. That means it'll carry on forever. Have you ever heard the saying that all good things, y'all fill in the blank, must come to a what? 
end. That's what we're told, isn't it? Well, all good things come to an end. Hey, enjoy them while you can, yes. If it's good now, grab it and, and live in it, man. Yeah, it's good now, but let me tell you, all good things got to come to an end. That's what people tell you all the time. I remember as a young man, we only had three channels on our television, and man, if you watch football, you only chose one game. It was either the Washington Redskins was playing somebody on TV, or the Dallas Cowboys was playing somebody on TV, and you got to see one of them, or whoever else they were playing. That was really it. You didn't have all that you have now. Now you got the NFL Red Zone, where you'll never miss a field goal. You'll never miss a safety. You'll never miss a touchdown. They'll show you every score that ever happens all across the football world. If you got direct TV, you can watch any game you want to, anytime you want. You can flip between them, and keep up with all of them, if you're a little bit ADD. And that suits you. You can watch them all at one time, but that wasn't the case when I was growing up. Let me tell you, Monday night football was a big deal, beloved. I mean, you got to see a lot of teams you never did get to see. And man, I remember begging my dad just to let me stay up. Dad, let me watch the first quarter with you, Dad. Just just let me watch the first quarter with you. And I remember when he would let me watch the first quarter. And then I began to beg, and as the way kids do, once they have one thing, I began to beg him, Dad, let me just watch the second quarter with you. And that went on for a while. And man, I was I was tickled when he started letting me watch the second quarter because I could bleed it into halftime. And how many of y'all remember at halftime what happened? Man, they had the halftime highlight. You could see what happened in every game, thought of all thoughts. In two minutes' time, you could see what happened the whole day yesterday. And I used to love that. I never will forget when he finally let me stay up all night with him on Monday night just to, to watch the entire game. I remember the first time that I ever heard this happen. How many of y'all remember the announcers on Monday Night Football back in the day? A man named Howard Cosell. How many of y'all remember Howard? Howard Cosell. He had a sidekick. His name was Dandy what? Don Meredith. See, some of y'all, hey, some of y'all in here are with me on this. Dandy Don Meredith. Don Meredith was a character. I remember the first time I ever heard him sing the song that he always sung whenever the, the game's outcome was decided and whenever the final play happened or the clock ran down that it was fairly obvious who was going to win and everything was over. He'd sing this, this particular little song. How many of y'all remember what he would sing? He would sing, Turn out the lights, the party's over. I mean, I, they say that all good things must end. And I used to remember, I don't know if that's appropriate in the house of the Lord, but I'm here to tell you, here it is anyway. He'd always say, turn out the lights, it's all over, man. I'd be dejected because I had to go to bed now. I'm going to tell you, you'll never look at love and say it's over. It's eternal. You never look at the love of God and say, well, it was good while it lasted. Well, we, had, we sure had quite a ride, didn't we, God? We had quite a ride on that love train with you. We had a, quite a ride on that agape train. I, I hate that it's over as good as it was. You'll never say that. Why? Because the love of God will never fail. That means it'll never come to an end chronologically. That means throughout all eternity, what we'll depend upon is the love of an almighty God to sustain us. Listen, one of these days, I'll draw my last breath here, and this old physical body will lay down and go back to the place from whence it came. But beloved, I'll be more alive than I've ever been in my life. Why? Because of the agape love of an almighty God. It'll sustain me throughout all eternity. And I just wonder today if we oughtn't to think of the love of God maybe as the heir of the kingdom, beloved. It's the thing that's life-giving and sustaining and it'll never, ever come to an end in our life. The love of God, beloved, we understand that it will not be short. It'll always be able to meet the task. You can count on the love of God. It'll never be stopped. It'll never come to an end. I remember the first praise song, contemporary-wise, that I ever heard that I really fell in love with. It was very simple. It said this, I could sing of your love, how long? 
forever. And beloved, won't we? Won't we? You remember the old hymn, How Marvelous, I, I love the line in it. It will be my joy through the ages to do what? To sing of His love for me. And beloved, won't we? His love will never be stopped. It'll never come to an end. It goes on and on and on. Thirdly, it'll not be set aside. The indication here also is very deep. It says it'll, it'll never become obsolete. You'll never find something bigger or better that'll replace it. There'll not be a newer technology that comes along that you say, Oh, wow, we don't really need the love of God anymore. Now we have this right here. That's never going to happen. I remember uh, late last fall, I, I went to Raleigh, had the occasion, drove down there and watched my little daughter run in the Adidas Invitational down there to, to end up the season, and, and we were heading back, and, and uh, somebody had told my girls that the biggest mall in the state of North Carolina wasn't far from there. If I could figure out who that was, I'd choke them. I mean, I really would. I'd just choke them. But they found out where it was. We decided to go. We went, it wasn't all bad, I can't say that, man, I, after we had eaten, I found a cheesecake factory and got me a big old slice of cheesecake, and honey, I didn't care how long they shopped, I mean, oh, hey, just go, go do your thing, I'm eating my cheesecake. As I was milling around, I saw a, a rather odd-looking sight, there were people out on the sidewalk, and man, they were in line, stretched back out by the building, I walked down the end of the building, they're all the way out in the parking lot, man, they got umbrellas, they got coolers, they got all kind of stuff, if you walked up to the store, it just didn't look like anything, there was no signage on it, and if you looked in it, there was just a couple of old fold-out tables with some computers on top of them, and some people sitting there, at the door, they had what looked like a bouncer with velvet ropes, so nobody would dare uh, enter in this building, and my curiosity was piqued, I was thinking, what in the world are these people waiting that long in line for, so I went up and asked the guy, I just didn't know any better way to do it. So I said, what's going on, man? What are all these people waiting for? He said, well, we have in our possession a handful in there, a, a number of iPhone 6s. And he said, these people heard about it, and here they are waiting in line, just hoping against hope that they'll get in there and be able to buy one of these before anybody else has one. Now, beloved, I'd wait in line maybe that long for a dozen hot Krispy Kreme donuts, but an iPhone 6, uh-uh. How many of y'all here, uh -uh. I'm just not going to do it, beloved. Man alive, I saw something the other day. I read an article and it brought this back to my mind. I just chuckled to myself. The title of the article was this. Forget the iPhone 6. Look at what Apple is coming out with now. And isn't there some smart people in this world, man? You know why? Because they have things planned for obsolescence. Man, they know that they're going to sell this much of it, and then they'll make everybody just throw those in the trash can because now, oh, that's no good right there. Now you've got to have this bigger and this better thing. And man, now, oh, no, you're not, you haven't got enough status if you got that. Now you've got to have this thing. And there's people making money hand over fist with this idea of, man, this is bigger and this is better. You'll never wait in line somewhere with somebody telling you they found something better than the agape love of an almighty God. Let me tell you, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. It'll never become obsolete. It'll never be set aside. There'll never be anything to compare to the love of God. Search the universe. Search it from stem to stern. If that were possible and you could uncover every asteroid and search behind every star, you'll never find anything to compare to the agape love of God manifest in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And once you've tasted it, brother, there'll be nothing else in this world that'll ever satisfy your soul. 
like the agape love of God. Didn't the psalmist on one occasion say this? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? That He is good. Didn't Jesus say to the woman at the well, listen, if you, if you understood what kind of water I had to give to you, you'd take a drink of it and you'd never ever be thirsty again. It'd flow from you like living water and you'd never have need of anything else. And when the Word says that love never fails, it means this. It'll never be set aside. It'll never become obsolete. It'll never be replaced by something bigger or something better or some newer technology, beloved. Love never fails. And how thankful we are, how confident that we are today that we can make that declaration not on my opinion or even on my experience, but on the authority of the Word of God in our house today. That love never, ever is going to fail us. Love's endurance, man. He says love never fails. You want to handle something eternal today? Aren't we about that? Aren't we about finding stuff that stands the test of time and lasts and lasts and lasts? You want to handle something that's eternal? That's just love. Just love with the agape love of God. And you'll touch something of eternity in this old lost fallen world. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.